0: So many of you know and love Pastor Michael and Miss Betsy Thomas had some challenging days as of late but as soon as I walked up to him a moment ago he said God is so good. Welcome to worship this morning Pastor Michael Miss Betsy. It's so good to see you boy it does my heart good we love you guys we love your sweet spirit and we're continuing to lift you up every single day God bless you guys. Let's take our Bibles, church, and turn to 1 John, chapter 2. We continue on this journey of blessed assurance, talking about the light, the love of God, and life with Christ. And uh, today, I think that you'll see why we're calling this Blessed Assurance. I have a number of messages sort of like what we're going to have today with, we can know that we know that we know. And we also have a great group right up here in the gathering room I was just speaking with, a good-sized group of new, mem- uh, new and prospective members in Life at Grace. So as we're going through this service, let's pray that God gives them clarity in their decision, if they're so led, to join with our faith family. We're going to learn 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 together. The last few weeks, we learned 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, we're going to start learning this new verse together. So would you join me in saying 1 John 2, 3. You ready? Now by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Good. Now by this, we know that we know him. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So the question on the day then is, how will I know? How will I know? Y'all probably heard that before. Some of you teenagers have heard me talk about this several years ago, actually, our first summer here. Uh, Our first two sermons in 1 John, we're talking about a journey of joy with the real Jesus. Then the last two weeks, we talked about how we walk in the light. We said there were some fallacies to avoid and some truths to embrace, but I really Struggled. I've shared this with you guys in parts and pieces. When I was a young teenager, 14-ish, I really struggled in the faith, really wondered, how can I know? How can I know if there's a God? How can I know if he really loves me? How will I know if I'm ever going to go to heaven? How, how am I ever going to get assurance in my own heart? I mean, I know that I still make mistakes. I do stupid things. I say bad things. How can I know? And so I was inspired then And now, by two things. Music has always been a big inspiration to me. And the Word of God, as I began to be a student of the Bible, because I wasn't a student for many years, but as I began to really be a a disciple, a student of Scripture, I I found inspiration. So let's go back to that great 80s theologian, Whitney Houston. Y'all ready? Y'all know Whitney, right? Some of y'all, Frank had never heard this song. Lord, help. Pray for Frank. Whitney Houston came out with her debut album in uh, the mid-80s. Do y'all remember the title of her debut album? Whitney Houston. (laughs) That was the title of her album. They were very creative in the 80s. And um, this was Whitney Houston's second number one single. It went to the top of the Billboard Top 100. And you would probably figure we could not get permission to play this because of our online media presence... And so we figured a way around that so that the bots wouldn't pick us up. We got a singer that nobody would ever mistake for Whitney Houston, a sorry replica. So let's see how it goes. Let's crank it up and see if you remember this song. Pay special attention to the background singers. Y'all heard this, right? How will I know? Don't trust your feelings. How will I know? Y'all heard it? the next point? How will I know if he really loves me? All right, I told you it was a sorry backup. It's as good as it gets. Leave me alone. When you sing higher than your wife, it gets a little freaky sometimes. How will I know? Did y'all catch the background singers? How will I know? Don't trust your feelings. How will I know? Then they say, how will I know? can be deceiving did you catch all that he said he is a freak okay that's all right that's okay how will i know don't trust your feelings when it comes to the word of god how will i know that i know that i know that i'm a christian some days you won't feel like it don't trust your feelings well, how will I know? Well, you know what? Love, especially as the world defines love these days, can be deceiving. Because you see, we've redefined the terms in 2021. But don't trust your feelings. Trust the holy and word of God. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. There's not a bot on the planet that will call out that for being a Whitney Houston original. So we're all safe and we'll be out online today. Okay, so 1 John chapter 2. Let's go to 11. My little children, John says, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Now, all he's saying about my little children is he's an elder statesman of the church. He's an old man when he writes. He's been a pastor a long time. So he's saying, my children of the faith, I write to you so that you may not sin, but he's already told us we're going to sin, so he says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world, for God so loved the world. That was recorded in John's Gospel too. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And he who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And by this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you. But an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word is, is the word which you heard from the beginning. Now this gets a little confusing, but we'll unpack it. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. We talked a little about that last week. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an incredible passage here that you breathed out, that John took and put pen to paper. And that we can come back now nearly 2,000 years later And we can find absolute truth right here. How we can know that we know you. How we can walk in your light and in your truth. Lord, we need light and we need truth in these days. We need it as a people, a church, a convention. We need your truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Speak clearly, Lord. We know that your word is true and you don't stutter. But may we hear with open hearts and minds May we apply these truths to be more like Jesus when we leave today than when we came this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys and be seated. So how will I know? How will I know? Just give you some phrases to jot down here if you're taking notes. Number one, always start with Jesus. Notice John starts with Jesus. You just always have to start there. My little children, I write these things to you that you may not sin, but if you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins, not just for us, but the whole world. You see, I think sometimes John may have thought, if you read my first chapter, you're going to sin, you're going to fall, you're going to mess up, maybe you would get discouraged Maybe that would discourage you from holiness, but his intention is the opposite. Remember, there are no chapters when he wrote the letter, and so he just kept writing. So we had to stop, but he didn't stop. And so he just says, oh, by the way, I don't want you to sin. My little children, I write to you that you may not sin. He's showing fatherly concern and tender affection. He knows we will sin, but he doesn't want us to. And if we do sin, we have an advocate, one who speaks for us in our defense, Jesus Christ the righteous. He says, start with him. Start with him. Don't start in anthropology, man-centered. Start in Christology, Christ-centered, or theology, God-centered. If you want to know something like, am I passing my class? Do I have an A? Do I have a B? Do I have a C? You don't go to a fellow student. Hey, what do you think I have in the class? They can't help you. You go up a notch. You go to the teacher. If you want to know, do I get a promotion? Am I going to get that next bump? You don't just go to a fellow employee at the same level. They can't help you. You go to the supervisor. You go to the boss man or woman. You go up. If you want to know if you're going to get help, you go up to the Lord. We have an advocate With the Father, you go up. John doesn't want his readers to sin, but he knows that they need help from an advocate when they do. And I love this word advocate. It's the word parakletos. Two words in Greek, para, to come alongside of, and uh, Kleto or let's see, kaleo, actually in the verbal form, to call. When you put it together, one who is called alongside, a helper, an advocate. Think about it almost like a defense attorney standing with me. It's a word that is used very frequently by this same writer, John, to talk about the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. And in John chapter 14, in John 15, in John 16, John's gospel, he talks about this comforter who comes alongside of us. So John says we walk in the light with God. How do I do that? I still sin. How do I stay in the light? Well, I walk with Jesus Christ, and Jesus is in the light. He is not only in the light, he is, according to verse 2, he himself is the propitiation for our sin. Just a big fancy word. It just means he's a satisfactory atoning sacrifice. He satisfied the demand of God. He satisfies the righteous anger of God against sin. God hates sin. God hates sin so much he said sin will bring you death. He told that to Adam and Eve way back in the garden in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. He said, if you sin, you die. And so Jesus becomes our sin-bearing substitute. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of Christ, that we might have his perfection. He takes our sinfulness. And God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. You say, wait a minute, Bobby. How do you know God is satisfied The resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead, where it says, God the Father raised Jesus the Son, the resurrection proves God said, I accept that sacrifice. Now come home. I accept what you did on their behalf. So Christ is our advocate and our atonement. He is the satisfaction of God's wrath, the propitiation that God demands. So how will I know? Start with Jesus. How will I know? Keep His commandments. Three, four, and five, you say, oh, man, really? i got to keep his commandments? Well, follow with me. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You say you know him, but you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar. You say, now, Bobby, you know you can't say stuff like that in 2021. I didn't make it up. I was just reading what God called you. You don't keep the commandments of the Lord, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. But if you keep his word, notice the change. Keep the commandments, keep the word. I'll come back to that. If you keep the word, truly the love of God is perfected or matured in you. And by this we know that we're in him. You see, obedience provides the ground for our assurance. doesn't mean our salvation is earned. First John consistently argues that genuine regeneration should be outwardly evident. I'm sharing some truths from the Believer's Study Bible. They said this in that Study Bible. The internal work of the Spirit produces external results. If I'm a Christian, it's going to show on the outside. He says you're going to know that you know that you know that you know. In fact, more than 30 times, two variants of the word know occur in 1 John. And so we know. There was a religion in the day called Gnosticism. It was sort of this um, secret, mystical enlightenment. And it was very prideful faith. And, And the thing is that you could be a Gnostic, but it had no bearing on your moral character at all. No bearing on how you lived your life. And John says, that's not right. If you're a Christian, if you're a child of God, that changes the way you walk and talk and live. Listen to the Lewis translation. Can I give you my translation? If you claim to walk with Christ but live like the devil, you're spouting more deception than a politician in an election year. I thought that was pretty good. You're crazy. It ought to make you more nervous than a cat at a dog show. See, that's my translation. If you claim all of these things with your mouth, but you don't live it, well, what's the truth? Everybody remember Ravi Zacharias? Great apologist. Great apologist. Is his legacy forever tarnished by what he did? You better believe it is. It doesn't change the truth that he spoke, but it sure changes the way you look at the man. And the reality is I could stand up here for years. I could give thousands of sermons, and I could talk to you, say, about my sweetheart over there, my sweet Cindy, and I could tell you how much I love her, and how blessed I am as a man to have her as my wife, and how God used her to bring me back to himself, and how she's given birth to our four kids, and she's a superwoman, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. And if you ever once see me in the arms of another woman, every word I've ever said about her flies out the window. Because it's how I live. It's how I live. And you all know that's true. You know that when we're, we're walking in the light and keeping God's commandments... That shows the world what they're watching for. The Bible's not saying we're going to live in perfect obedience, by the way. The Bible's never going to say we'll never argue, we'll never fuss or fight. But 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 told us if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and we make God out to be a liar. But the the point John's making is do you take the commands of God seriously? You're not going to be perfect all the time. But if you're truly born again, you don't disregard the clear commands of God. Maybe John Newton, the converted slave trading sea captain who wrote Amazing Grace, said it best. He said, quote, I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I once was. And it's by the grace of God that I am what I am. See, if you really want to know God, you've got to ask yourself today, am I at least attempting to obey the commands of God? I'm not asking you if you're perfect. I'm asking you if you desire to obey. John Wesley left home, and his mama Susanna is said to have written these words in the flyleaf of his Bible. She said this, sin will keep you from this book, but this book will keep you from sin. So are you getting into the Word of God? Are you spending some time every day getting into the Word? I'm in my 23rd year reading a new copy of God's Word cover to cover. I'm in the Tony Evans Study Bible this year. We'll get to hear Dr. Evans preach live tonight in Nashville for the Southern Baptist Convention. He'll be there. And uh, I'm in his study Bible this year. It's been very helpful to me. He said, well, you need to read it 23 times. No, I need to read it a lot more than 23 times. I need it every single day. But it's not a matter of how much am I getting in the Word. It's how much is the Word getting in me? How much of the Word's getting in you? How much of the truths of God are permeating your spirit? You see, the psalmist said, Psalm 119, 11, I will hide your Word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That's how God dealt with temptation in Christ. You know, there's a pastor in North Carolina. I've shared this story. I thought I did it on a Wednesday, but there was a pastor that I had um, known through some friends who had claimed that God had told him to leave his wife for his secretary and that it had to be true because of the way she made him feel. And I wanted to quote some theologian, Whitney Houston, to him. Don't trust your feelings, you goober. Come on, man. That's not of God. That's not even love. Love can be deceiving. That's another L word. What is it? Lust, perversion. Look at verse five. So from verse four to five, he says, I know him and I'll keep his commandments. And if you don't do that, you're a liar, but then you got to keep his word. Why does he change that? whoever keeps his word. He talks about commandments in verse 4 and the word of God in verse 5. Well, Jesus does the same thing in John's gospel. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Later in John 14, 23, he said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. What is the difference? Well, they are used somewhat interchangeably, but let me explain it this way. Suppose a young man comes home from school and his father says, Billy, I need you to take out the garbage, I need you to wash the car. Well, Billy obeys and he does what his father asked. That's his commandment. But then suppose Billy overhears his father tell someone he's not feeling well. He wishes somebody would just rake the leaves and mow the yard. He just doesn't feel good to do it. But Billy decides, although he didn't have a direct command from the father, he heard the word of the father. So he decides he would get out there and rake the leaves and mow the grass. One is the command, one is the word. And the reality is we don't just boil Christianity down to a list of do's and don'ts. Do this and don't do that and you'll be fine with God. We never obey God out of dry obligation, but out of sincere adoration. I'm not a big feet guy. you know, I'm not super touchy-feely except with one person. But if my wife asks me to, to rub her feet for her, I'm like, baby, where's the lotion? Let's go, because I love her right i love her and because i love her i'm willing to do whatever or sometimes i'm willing to get down on my knees and do it even when she didn't ask some will it some days you got to bring flowers home when there's no occasion guys because that's just who we are in Christ. We love not out of obligation but adoration. And you know, next week, guys, I have a special Father's Day message for you. I hope you'll make it. It's funny because in my first church in North Carolina, it seemed like every year Mother's Day was one of the biggest Sundays of the year and Father's Day was one of the smallest. I know Father's Day is more in the summer and there's more vacation, but I think mamas want us to be in church and daddies want to be on the lake. I like the lake too, guys. But I hope you'll be in church. I have a special message for you. You know, on Mother's Day, I talked about two prostitutes. Now I'm going to talk about a daddy losing his son. And I hope you'll come. It's a very interesting passage out of the Old Testament that I hope you'll come and hear. So I love what J. Vernon McGee said. McGee said when he was a pastor, I'd never give an answer to a young person who asked me if a Christian could do this or do that and still be a Christian. Because they were asking the wrong questions. The right question is, what can I do to please my Heavenly Father? You see, a genuine child of God wants to please him, not just live right on the margin of the Christian life. Have you ever wondered, can I do this? Can I do that? When you're asking the question, you pretty much know the answer, don't you? If you have to ask, you think I can do this, you probably ought not to do it because you already know. Don't live in a way that you're right on the margin of the Christian life. Let God's light shine brightly through you. Start with Jesus. Keep his commandments. Live like him. That's what the Bible says. Number three, live like him. Verse six, he who says he abides in him ought himself ought to walk just as he walked. The old bracelets were WWJD. What did that stand for? What would Jesus do? The problem with what would Jesus do is we didn't WDJD. We got to know what did Jesus do. We got to WDJD before we WWJD. I hope that said that right. We got to know what Jesus did do before we know what he would do. And he says, walk like Jesus abide in him. It's one of John's favorite words. Abide, remain, stay connected to Christ. You will display the fruit of the Spirit when you stay connected. You will know people by their fruit. You say, wait a minute, pastor. The Bible says, judge not, lest ye be judged. Matthew chapter 7. Yes, you are right, dear friend. And in the very same chapter, Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, the Bible says, By their fruit you will know them. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. So you look at their fruit, and it will show you their root. That's what the Bible says. And we're not to go around judging other people. Their fruit may look different than yours, but there still should be fruit. And if we really walk in the light with God, our behavior becomes more like the Lord Jesus. Now, we don't think we can be good enough to be right with God. That's the cul-de-sac of legalism or the racetrack of righteousness. No, no, no. It's not, let me be good enough and then I can go around with Jesus. No, 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 no. It is Jesus first and foremost in all, and I surrender to him, and he brings me into the light. And then I learn to walk the high road of grace as I am growing as a disciple. How did Jesus walk? In light with God. In perfect obedience to God's will, he walked in love toward the needy and the hurting and the lost and the down and out. Because walking in light is not merely characterized by the absence of sin, but by the presence of love. We as a church must be a loving people. We can still call sin. Sin. We're going to still say, look, if they go left and they turn out liberal, we're going to stay strong in the Word of God. Because I just believe this is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I'm not a smart enough man to pick out the parts and pieces that aren't true. So how about we preach it, teach it, and live it as all truth? Is that okay? And even if our own Southern Baptist Convention, of whom I'm a two-time product in my master's and Ph.D. work, and I have been a Southern Baptist, I guess, nine months before I was born, you might say. So even if our own convention decides they're going to roll left and embrace things that are not of God, I'm telling you the day they go liberal is the day I am no longer a Southern Baptist. I'm just going to tell you straight, y'all. I am not married to a denomination. My Savior is not the SBC. My Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I hope, if you've been following the news, I hope some of those in leadership positions will straighten up and fly right this week. But if they don't, and if they act like a bunch of bozo clowns, I'm going to come back with a recommendation next week. Because I'm just here to tell you, we are not married to a group. We are in a relationship with the God of heaven through Christ. And he is all in all. We start with Jesus. We keep his commandments. We live like him. Jesus, I can tell you what Jesus would do if he walked up in there. If they started acting crazy, I know what he'd do. He'd shake the dust off of his feet, and he would move on. And he would say, these people have left me. So we love one another. I don't mean by the world's standards. I mean by God's standards. What does it look like to love one another? He says it this way, brethren, verse 7, I write no new commandment to you but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard. Now he's going to say, but there is a new part of this commandment, this new commandment I write, which thing is true in him and in you. So now you've seen it manifest in Christ and in you as Christ followers because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What is this commandment? Well, you can't walk in the light and hate your brother. You can't do that. In fact, he who loves his brother abides in the light. There's no cause for stumbling. If you hate your brother, you're walking in darkness. You don't even know where you're going because the darkness has blinded you. This commandment is all about love for one another. The command is found in the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 18. It's also found in the Gospels, John 13, John 15. Love one another. So it's an old command in that sense. But it's a new command in this sense. When we look at the life of Jesus Christ, we see love perfectly fulfilled. Love said, lady caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you. Love also said, go and sin no more. Love says, I love you in spite of your sin and failure. I forgive you, but don't keep acting like that. Don't be foolish. Don't keep walking in darkness. Come into the light, stay in the light. Love calls it like it is. This kind of love is perfected in Jesus. And Jesus taught that the law and the prophets were all summed up in love of God and love of others. Matthew 22. The apostle Paul said the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So this is old, and yet in Christ it's new because it's perfectly fulfilled. Through this love Christians show for one another, we demonstrate to the world That light still shines in darkness. Look at 9 and following. If you say you're in the light, but you hate your brother, no. You're in the darkness. It's simply not true. That imagery continues. If you love your brother, you walk in the light. What happens to a believer who doesn't love his brother? Well, he lives in the dark and he stumbles, right? He thinks he sees, but he's actually blinded. He thinks he might be a spiritual giant, but there's no perception there. And then we become a cause of stumbling for other people. It's dangerous to walk in the darkness because we become stumbling blocks. An unloving brother stumbles himself. An unloving brother causes others to stumble. Man who's walking down the street one night, it's pitch black outside, but he sees a little pinpoint of light coming toward him in the dark. He, he notices that the light is kind of weaving, and he thinks, uh-oh, that guy must be drunk carrying a flashlight. But as the light gets closer and closer, he realizes, no, that's not a drunk man. That's actually a man carrying a white cane and a flashlight. And he thought to himself, now why in the world would a blind man be carrying a flashlight? So he just stopped the guy and he said, hey, bud, I I noticed you're blind. Why are you carrying that light? And the guy said, I carry my light not so that I can see, but so that others can see me. I can't help being blind, but I can help other folks by not being a stumbling block. One of the ways you can love your neighbor best is not to be a stumbling block. Because your love is either going to be a stepping stone to get them closer to God or a stumbling block. If you don't have it that will keep them from the Lord so let me be clear as we come to the finish line Christian love is not a shallow sentiment it's not an emotional reaction that we experience in a church service it is practical it applies to everyday life I mean just think about the one another statements in the Bible wash one another's feet show affection and honor to one another all these are in your notes do not judge one another Comfort and edify one another. Bear one another's burdens. Confess your faults to one another. Be hospitable to one another. That's just seven of many one another statements. Treat people like God treats people. Love people like God loves people. Go out of this place and be different and be better because God is in you and through you. And the biblical principles we got to remember are this. These are the last two things on your notes. We verify what we believe by how we act. You could put the word deny in there. We deny what we believe by how we act. Many of y'all know that I love anything outdoors. I'm doing an outdoorsman's class in the fall, and uh, we did some for the first time. Uh, we, We did some bow fishing yesterday. In fact, every muscle in my body is now sore. Between cutting trees Friday and bow fishing yesterday, I'm a sore guy, and I'm feeling all 45 years. Are you sore? I didn't think you would be. It just makes me feel worse. Bo and I, my son and I were out there bow fishing behind the house, and we stuck uh, about a dozen big old nasty carp that need to get out of that water. I love to bow hunt. I love to fish. Now I've discovered I love to bow fish. And if I told you I love to bow fish, but I never went bow fishing with my bow, I mean, you know, he's my bow too, my B.O. And we took the B.O.W. and if, on the B.O.A.T. And so if you can follow that, we, uh, we had a great day but I am sore as a boil, and I'd do it again tomorrow if I wasn't at the convention. I enjoyed every minute of it. We laughed and cut up and had a good time. And the reality is what we say is verified. It's proven by what we do. And then love for God and others is not just optional, but it is essential for all Christians. Our love vertically, that's number two, and our love horizontally, that's number two, is essential for all Christians It is absolutely imperative that we love God and we love each other. They will know that we're Christians by our love one for another. So, I hope that this has made sense to you. How will I know? Let's do this. We start with Jesus, right? Always, always, always start with Jesus. How will I know? We keep his commandments. Well, how will I know I'm going to live like him? Of course I'm not going to be perfect but I'm striving to be more like him today than I was yesterday. How will I know? I'm going to love other people. We're going to love one another because it's just what we do. Love is not an emotion. Love is an action. What did Whitney say? I get so emotional, baby, every time I think of you. I get so emotional, baby. Y'all know that? and it's shocking what love can do? Well, quit getting so emotional, Whitney. I know she's not with us anymore, but love is not an emotion. Love is an action. Jeff, do you have your wig? You don't have your Whitney wig, man. Oh, that's your wig. That's pretty nice. I was going to get you to sing this one for us. I want you to do the background singers because I never want you to ever, ever hear this song the same way again. And next time it comes on the radio, I want you to look at the person next to you and say, Pastor Bobby just ruined that for me. Good. Think of this sermon. You ready? Crank it up. Be the background singers. Here we go. I know y'all know it. Don't act like you don't know it. I did not move my feet. That was not dancing. Is it just me, or does he sound more like Prince than Whitney (laughs) Houston? There's a little Prince in there. Stand with me as we go to the Lord. I want you guys to remember that this is not about your feelings. It's about the clear word of God. And I want you to remember that according to the world standard, love can be deceiving. Let's define love as God defines love. Help people where they are to be stepping stones, not stumbling blocks, to get them to Jesus. Today I'm going to ask you, if you need to come and trust the Lord, we would welcome you to do that now or as the invitation continues when Cindy and I are standing over here to receive you. Pastors will be available, though, if you want to speak to someone. Counselors are available, men and women. If you want to come and unite with the church, I know a big class is going on right now, but it's not too late. You can come and say, let me take the next step of that. If you need to come today and pray, I'm calling out any of you that have kept up with the news as of late, I'm calling you out to pray for the state of the Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant group in this country, some would say the largest group of evangelicals in the world, as somewhere around 18 to 20,000 or more descend on Nashville in the next few days. Pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray that there would be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help us God pray that there would be accountability and transparency on display. Pray that there would be humility and that there would be revival and awakening. I fear if we don't get a handle on where we are as a group of churches, although we're totally autonomous, I fear that there will be a mass exodus or a continued exodus. And I pray that we would do more together and be better together Well, let's pray for God's will. If you're willing to come and pray for that too, I'd love for you to do that at our altar today. Let me me pray for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the day. And Lord, we can have fun and we can cut up a little bit, but it's all pointing back to the truth. And I do pray every time we hear that song from here on out, we're going to remember. We're going to remember to start with Jesus. Lord, we're going to remember to keep his commandments, to live like him and to love one another. How will I know? I'm not going to trust my feelings. I'm going to trust your holy word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The altar's open. Would you join us in prayer? Thank you so much for watching us today. God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.